everyone, welcome to the third episode of How We Got Here, UVM Stories, featuring Jason Parker, a 2011 graduate of the University of Vermont and currently a senior program manager at Dior.com. Today's episode is a really great one. We specifically talk about how to best position yourself for a promotion. There's some really subtle but great advice in here that not only is it going to help with a promotion, but it's also going to help with your relationships in the workplace and how to better position yourself. And it's something that's not uh, common sense or not very well known. So I'm really excited to dive into that. And, And we also talk about active listening. And we talk about what that is and why that's important and how that can immediately today help you in all areas of your life with all relationships. And then we also talk about why finding mentors and being a mentor yourself is critically important. And I touch on how a lot of the reason this podcast has been able to gain some momentum is because I have spent time mentoring other people. And we talk specifically about how organic that process really is and and how asking a few simple questions can kick that off. And so I'm really excited to dive in. Hey, Jason, welcome to the show. I'm, I'm super pumped to have you. Hey, thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. Awesome. So I, I just want to start off for our listeners to have you introduce yourself and let's talk about what you're working on today and what your role is. Yeah, absolutely. So I am a senior program manager at dealer.com, part of Cox Automotive. So right now working with Toyota, but I get to manage our relationships with the actual car manufacturing brands. So pretty cool opportunity to work with large enterprise clients and also requires a lot of networking across the building. So a lot of interfacing with other departments and building relationships across not only our own company, but quite a few others. So really cool to get to do that. That's awesome. Okay. So you're working with a major brand, Toyota. That's great. We're going to dive into that a little bit later. Why don't you tell me about your origin story? So you graduated UVM 2011. I know that because we both went to school together. So why don't you talk about where you're from and then how, how did you end up at UVM? Yeah, absolutely. So Humble Roots grew up in Auburn, Maine. So that's about a half hour north of Portland and roughly four hours, depending on how fast you drive from Burlington. I've obviously gotten pretty used to making that drive over the past now. Oh my gosh, 13 years at this point, just about. Uh, So only applied to UVM actually through the college application process, had my heart set on it from the start. So thank goodness I got in. But it was the right fit, love Burlington, knew I wanted to be a part of it, the right distance from home, you know, close enough I could get home for a weekend if I needed to, but also far enough to have some independence and branch out a little bit. I went to a really small school growing up, so was excited about getting the right distance away, but also excited to have, you know, go to a school that at the time was around 10,000 people and have a lot more opportunities for clubs and classes. It felt big, but also not too huge, so... It was the right size, right distance, and just right feel for me. Yeah, that that's really great. And UVM is really interesting because I think it is about ten thousand undergrads. So it, it you don't, and that was big for me. I didn't want to feel like just a number. And at UVM, I, I definitely didn't. So what was your major in in school? Yeah, so I was a business major with a marketing concentration and a history minor. Okay, so business major, marketing concentration, history minor. Did you know going in that was going to be your major, or did you figure that out later? Yeah, I I went in with it. I felt pretty comfortable. I didn't have, honestly, I didn't have my heart set on anything in particular. I 
felt like business was applicable to almost any career that I'd go into after school, but was something I had at least some interest in, especially marketing. It was yeah, an easy concentration selection for me. Love the opportunity to be creative. I loved entrepreneurship as well, but it felt a little narrow for me. So that's why I went marketing instead. And you still, yep. when you have the opportunity to be creative, I feel like you can apply that to a lot of different industries. Yep, for sure. And so you mentioned that what, something that attracted to you about UVM was there was an opportunity to join clubs and do different activities. Could you just talk about some things that you did while you were in school? Yeah, for sure. Played ultimate Frisbee, loved it. Continue to play not as much the last couple of years, but I played, you know, certainly the first five, six years out of school, made a ton of good friends. And it was just cool to be a part of a team. Still, I grew up playing team sports. It was nice to get to continue that. Uh, Always had a knack for throwing a Frisbee. So it was fun to actually turn that into an athletic activity. Uh, But yeah, yeah, that, that was the biggest standout for me. Certainly, you know, try to just leave my schedule open too. I felt like I was able to spend a lot of time with friends and make a lot of connections and have a lot of fun in school. I feel like there's a lot of value to that now that I, I'm glad I did that at the time. Yeah. And I want to unpack that a, a little bit more as we get later into your career development and what happened post-graduation. But, you know, I also want to talk about uh, professors and classes. And is there any particular class or any particular professor that still you know, that did something, said something, or you learned something that still influences you today? Yeah, I think about Professor Kingsley in our capstone class, senior year, very focused on strategy and competitive analysis. And that's something I use all the time. And yeah, we did a lot of case studies. It's not that I'm referencing individual case studies and what someone did, but just learning how to learning how to learn, learning how to analyze a situation, understand all of the stakeholders within a situation, and then being confident in my ability to act. So I felt like Professor Kingsley came in with a lot of really good experience. Uh, She worked in the financial industry, so I trusted her background. And she was also really good at challenging. And, you know, it's really easy to just give, to sit in a class and give an answer and be done with it. But she was really good at getting into the why or challenging you, you know, maybe you gave a good answer, but there was a great answer that was still out there. And I feel like being pushed to look for those solutions helps a lot. And I I really do use that all the time. I have to, in my job, you know, we've got a number of competitors that we're going against every day. And I need to think about how my market share stacks up, how we price against people, how we're going to react to other factors in the market. And being able to go through some of those demos in school, I think about that constantly. So game theory and just general competitive analysis, that's really stuck with me. Yeah. And so one of the things that you said in there, I think is really important that you learned to learn. And this is something that's come up as a theme on the podcast is being able to teach yourself skills, you know, after graduation and also while you're in a job, being able to attack a problem and not necessarily default to seeking out someone else's opinion and not figuring it out yourself first. So I think that that's really important. And it's also important that UVM gave you the opportunity to complete a very practical project and it's still with you today. So that's really great to hear. So you graduated in in 2011. What, What were you doing after graduation? You're still in Burlington, which I think is great. Like how did you, you know, get to deal.com? What's, what's that story? That path's pretty interesting. So I graduated and then two weeks later, bicycled across the United States. 
So I left from Auburn, Maine on what, June 1st and bicycled all the way to Venice Beach in Los Angeles in 49 days. Uh, just one buddy and I left from my house and had a great time. 3,570 miles, camped out along the way. And uh, that was an incredible experience. I was really pumped to be able to do that. And then I moved back to Burlington. Job market was a little tough. So I had the good fortune of planting some trees as my first gig. And then that only lasted a few weeks and then quickly went to a more stable career at a car dealership, which lasted, I went from weeks to months and yep. you know didn't particularly love that job, but had to grind yep. it out, had to pay rent. So survived it yep. and then was able to move into radio advertising for a local FM station. So that was pretty interesting. That was a good step. Sure. And yep, challenging industry to work in, have all the respect in the world for people who sell media. Got said no, uh, got a lot of no's, but worked through it. Definitely learned a lot of skills, was able to apply some things I learned in school, but did that for about nine months. And then if you're keeping score, that's what, about a year and a half post-graduation went on to dealer.com and I've been there the past seven years. Awesome. Okay. So there's a lot that I want to unpack in there. So first of all, you biked across the country after school. I think that is incredible. What was the impetus for that? Well, it was a great answer when somebody asked you, what are you going to do after college, after graduation? <laughs> and that would really, the fact that I didn't have a hard plan, you know, I could usually hit them with that bike trip and it would really stop everything there. And we get so into that conversation, people would forget that I didn't really have a good career path yet. So that, that was one, but I, I just wanted to do something great. Uh, some buddies and I had actually talked about doing it probably, I think the summer between junior and senior year, we had kind of dabbled with it and it was going to be a group of five of us and the other four bailed, but I had given my word that I was going to do it. And when I do that, I, I really try to follow through on my commitment. So I was going to go. Fortunately, I found a friend, so I didn't have to go alone. And um, But it was just the chance to do something great, challenge myself. And, you know, when you've done something like that, it does make a lot of the things you run into in the day-to-day -day a little bit easier. It's nice to draw on uh, being able to overcome adversity because <laughs> there's certainly yeah. some out there. Yeah, that's really impressive that you did that. And I, I find it funny that, you know, you bring up the fact that, hey, you didn't have a clear answer for what you were going to do after school. And you were able to still complete that bike trip knowing, okay, I don't, I don't know where I'm going to land, but I know that I am going to land. And so I think for students, alumni, everybody listening, you know, it's okay to be in a position where you, where you, you don't know what's next, but you kind of do what feels right and you take a risk and do something that you're really passionate about. So I think that that's, that's really cool. And so after this bike trip, was Burlington the place that you wanted to be? It was near the top. The thought process was I, I was fortunate to have a lot of friends that stuck around Burlington. And I really thought, you know, how many opportunities in life am I going to have to not really be tied to anything in particular, but still have so many friends in one place. So that was really my primary motivation. I figured I'd go back, try it out. If things worked out, stay as long as I'd like. And if it didn't, well, you know, at least I'm going to have a great time. I'm going to spend time with friends. And eventually if I have to move, I'll I'll deal with that. But fortunately, yeah. Burlington's had everything and I've been able to stay and very grateful that I've been able to. Yeah. And so you said the job market was tough uh, when you got back. How did you navigate that? Uh, friends. I was able to, I think networking really got me through 
at least the first couple opportunities, just being able to have people who were in positions who could help me out. I pursued, I think at that time, gosh, I don't know, it was Indeed, Monster. I can't remember all the job sites, but I was out there. Uh, I was combing the UVM job postings as well. I was just, you know, I was trying to figure out what was out there, trying to network for what opportunities eventually, you know, got lucky, I think, to get into the radio. That was a big step for me. And that gave me a lot of experience to eventually get to dealer. I knew what dealer.com's reputation was in the community. So I knew that was a place as I started to evaluate and see who was happiest in their careers and who seemed to have the balance that I was looking for. It seemed like dealer.com was that spot. And then I really used the connections to the best of my ability. So I think I had, gosh, four or five recommendations coming in uh, before I even sat down for my interview. And I had had lunch there, so I knew the vibe. So I wasn't afraid to use the connections that I had. I knew that I'm still going to get any job on my own merits, but getting through the door, it always helps to know somebody. I think there were at least 60 applicants for six openings at the time when I was going through. So I was more than willing to take any help I could get. And I really took the time to try to learn about the role before I sat down. So I knew some people who were in the account management position that I was going for. So I took the time to go out and buy them a cup of coffee and really ask questions, understand what the interview process would look like, understand the actual day-to-day. I think job descriptions can be helpful, but they don't always represent everything to do with a position. So I thought getting in there and having those conversations was super valuable and it felt Felt like I was better prepared than a lot of the other applicants. I felt like I had a solid leg up and that gave me some confidence. And obviously I interviewed well and the last seven years have been awesome. So really grateful that it worked out. Yeah. So I I really like what you say because a lot of students and even alumni don't necessarily know how to set up the coffee meeting and how those conversations should go. So I just really want to focus in on the fact that you were asking people about their day-to-day responsibilities. That's a really great question to ask if you get a coffee, set up a phone call, whatever that networking event is, just ask someone, hey, what's a day in your life like as a product manager, as a program manager? And then I think probably because you were working in radio, and I I do want to hear about this. So you're selling advertising, and and Dior.com, for those who don't know, we build websites and we do advertising for car dealerships. So there's definitely some overlap. But I'm sure that in your conversations with people, you probably were able to figure out what they do in the day-to-day and then figure out how to position yourself. Does that sound about right? Can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, that's a big piece. I think, honestly, it was it was hard because I was cold calling so much. There were not a lot of leads in the greater Burlington market for people wanting to buy radio advertising. So I think just some of that getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and being able to approach people and... You know, the primary way I was able to sell was going in and being genuinely interested in people's businesses and asking the right questions to learn about it. So I feel like extending that into how you network goes a long way. So having genuine curiosity with how, you know, what's someone's career? What do you do? Why do you do it that way? And then thinking about how not only can you maybe offer some value back to them or just how does that impact any role that you're going for or anything on your career path, but being genuine, being a real person, and then having curiosity. I think those are two things that'll go a long way. Yeah, I I really love the curiosity. I think that that is very authentic and that can really help further a conversation. If you are curious and tell me more, give me some more details about that. And so as far as the whole networking thing goes, 
jumping back to college, did you attend any networking events or career fairs? I went to a couple. I, it's funny. The one that actually I remember the most was an etiquette dinner that I went to at the Sheridan. I cannot remember who hosted it. It was, but it was a special event that the business school put on. And uh, that one always stands out. We got randomly seated at different tables, but I can't remember everybody I met there, but I just remember having some good conversations and got thrown in with some groups of people that I hadn't really interfaced with before and even got to discuss, you know, meet some of the professors that I hadn't met previously. So that was a cool opportunity that I still remember. That is really, really cool. An etiquette dinner. I wish I had known about that because that's something I would appreciate now, especially both of us, I know, interact a lot with clients. And as we mentioned, I know we sort of spoke about it quickly, but I mean, you're you're working with Toyota, the brand, and, and you've worked with other pretty major automotive brands, and we have to interact sometimes with some pretty high-powered people. So just developing those skills over time and calling back to an etiquette class, I, I think that that's a really, uh, really great story. And so, you know, we've, we fast-forwarded through your career a little bit, but you came in uh, in an account management type role, but you've been promoted a few times, right? Yeah, been fortunate to stand out and climb a little bit. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. still got a ways to go, but yeah, it's it's been a good run so far, and still have my sights uh, set higher. But happy with the progress I've made thus far. I think that that's great, and I, I mean, again, we work together, so I, I've seen you personally grow, and I, I think that's amazing. And with the evolution of the company, you've definitely become someone that we can put in front of a major client and feel really confident behind that. And since we went to school together, just to see that growth between the both of us, I think it, it's a lot of fun. And to reiterate too, you're networking, you're meeting people, you're being curious, you're asking questions. I think that goes a long way in terms of getting new roles. But could you talk a little bit about your experience? And you know, did, did you go seek out these promotions? Did they come to you? What did you do specifically to differentiate yourself to keep moving up? A little bit of both. I think proactively looking for leadership opportunities goes a long, long way. And when you start to understand that your managers are people too, and that they have careers and that they answer to somebody and that they are also looking for ways to stand out, it becomes easier to tie your success to other people. And I feel like that's something I've done well is understanding, hey, how do I build my own brand? How do I make myself look good? And oftentimes you can do that by making other people look good too. Um, I would say that's one thing that's definitely helped me move up and understanding, you know, yes, there is the day to day. And again, there's job requirements, but what can you do to go above and beyond? And when you can start to see the bigger picture of what makes a business successful, that's where you can start to be a little bit more strategic in the things you do or don't do in your day to day and start thinking about, especially, you know, I started out on a team with over a hundred people. There's only so many folks who get promoted at a time. How do I find a way to be one of the five or 10 highest performers? And then really taking the time to understand what is the highest performance? Is it completing the most execution tasks? Is it the ability to develop the most strategic visions? You know, what, what actually does it take? So I think when you can get down, take some time to become proficient in your job, but then also understanding, hey, what's the bigger picture here? And how do I play into the overall larger success of a business? I mean, we work at a company with, gosh, I think even at the time when I got my first promotion, we were up to over a thousand people. So just because I'm on a team of a hundred, 
what are the other 900 people doing and how do I impact them? And I think when I started understanding that better is when I was able to start climbing and have more success in my career overall. Yeah, that's beautiful because the the number one thing that, that I've learned and it's in a very popular book actually, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. He was a former FBI hostage negotiator. It's an amazing read. But what you just said there is so crucial is tying your success to someone else's. And again, just to unpack that and go in a little bit more detail so people can really grasp onto that, like going to your manager and saying, how can I help you be successful? How can I make you look good? What project can I take on that's going to help the business grow is the best possible way for you to position yourself in order to be promoted and grow and also do fulfilling work. You nailed that. I, I love it. I'm glad that you have lived it and it's worked out for you. And I definitely see bigger things. But for other people, that's something, if that's what you want and that's what you're trying to attain, no matter what industry or company, making sure that you are asking how you can help that person be successful, how you can help the company be successful, take on those projects. So, so sure. thank you for that. And, you know, the other thing I wanted to sort of dive into was what's your, your future look like? I mean, what are your aspirations? I would say, you know, first and foremost, I've turned into a personal finance guru to some extent. So I'm a huge advocate for Mr. Money Mustache and Early Retirement Extreme, Frugal Woods, uh, a lot of different personal finance bloggers. But I think in general, I'm, I'm definitely on that early retirement train as early as I can. I think it's still a ways off, but that's certainly my long-term goal. And I'm a huge advocate for personal finance skills and financial literacy and encourage anyone out there to try to develop those skills. It's not nearly as difficult as it may seem. I think personal finance in general is super intimidating, but I think the merits both in the workplace and long-term are so huge to really understand, hey, now that we're starting to have some career success, what do we what do we do with our finances? And what do you do when you actually have a little bit of discretionary income? And how do you start making good financial decisions, both short and long-term? And I think that's definitely one of my goals that is ongoing and trying to, you know, I, again, I've been fortunate enough to develop some of those skills and looking for ways to boost those across my friend group community people who can use and benefit that from that knowledge. I'm really glad you brought that up because a lot of what I've been talking about is how to network, how to set up coffee. And, you know, I've sort of been beating that drum a lot, but I'm, I think that it's really important that you also start to think about saving money and look at how you're spending and look, and when it comes to time as well, and you reference Mr. Money Mustache, that's a really great blog that talks about, some ways to save money. And I believe that the gentleman who founded it, he, he's retired. And there's some extreme strategies in there, but you really nailed it too when you say, hey, okay, now I've been promoted. Now I'm starting to have discretionary income. What do I do with that? And I know for me personally, that's something that it ebbs and flows and I need to be doing more. I wish I did more of it in my early 20s. So for people listening, especially if you're a student, again, it all always also applies to alumni, really take a look at that. Because the other thing, I mean, I know, knew this 
you know, before coming on to this podcast, you've done some real estate investing too, haven't you? Yeah, I have. So fortunate enough to have my freshman year roommate move back to the greater Burlington area and become a realtor. So had some inside track there, but uh, we stayed close. Both decided that real estate investing was something that we wanted to do. And we were able to work slowly. I think that that taking our time was kind of what has helped us to be successful and really understand the market, spend months analyzing what may be a good or not so good investment and really hone in on what we want. And then setting parameters of what we feel comfortable at for purchase price and really sticking to it and trying to make business decisions that are free of emotion as much as possible. I think that's what's really helped us been successful as real estate investors. Yeah. And that's, that's such a cool thing because I mean, it's a big deal, right? It's, it's a big financial commitment, but there's details there that matter. You had someone who was in that space whose career was based around that. And so you sort of had that edge of someone who's an expert and you were slow and you were patient and you started to make these investments and you own properties now. And, and that's something that's really cool. I mean, we're not, you know, we're a decent amount of years removed from college, but to get to that place already, I, I think that that's a really great uh, side hustle and, and side project. And I, I think so as we start to, to wrap this up and if there's anything else that's coming to mind that you want to share, you know, feel free. But I would love to just get any any other pieces of advice uh, for students and anything, maybe touch on anything in college that you didn't do, you wish you did, or, or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. So things that I would do differently, I think I would I'd reevaluate marketing as a concentration. I think I learned a lot and I don't necessarily regret it, but I think the impact, at least in the market that I'm in, was a little narrower than I expected. I mean, marketing departments at a lot of companies are not that huge. And I've certainly been able to apply that into sales roles and account management roles. But sometimes I wonder if a finance concentration or even an accounting concentration might have a wider impact, especially as I've become more passionate about personal finance. Sometimes I think about what the impact might have been at focusing on those paths a little bit more. Certainly, one thing I really like about the business school is being able to take at least an entry level class in a lot of different areas of business. So having professional development and strategy and accounting and finance uh, operations, all of those spaces, I think that's something that is easy to take for granted, but trying to stay engaged in those classes as much as possible goes a long way. I'd also say for advice, to students, I think one thing that I did, and I don't think I realized it at the time, but it's helped me quite a bit, is not bringing my laptop to class sometimes, being willing to go and just bring a pad of paper and a pen and sit in the front row and truly just try to listen and engage in a class and not worry so much about taking every single note or looking at every slide, but just really trying to understand what a professor is saying being willing to ask questions and just really trying to immerse yourself in a conversation. I feel like that's something that is easy to get lost, but it's actually something that goes a long way for me, even in my career. I mean, there's plenty of times, almost every meeting I go to, every single person brings their laptop. And I actually try to be the person oftentimes who doesn't. And I try to go and just engage in a conversation to the maximum point. And I find that some of those 
some of my best performance in meetings and in my career are when I unplug a little bit and really try to engage and just focus a little bit more and remove some of those distractions. So I think that's applicable for folks in their careers as well as in the classroom. I would also talk about looking for mentors and mentees. I think there's been value for me in my career on both sides of that. And again, I think that applies professionally and to students looking for professors, even if it's maybe not even one you've had, but just someone who you know has a good reputation or is within a your specific college. I think there's a lot of value in building those networking connections. And again, that, that extends into professional careers. That's a huge way to network. I think I can't imagine anybody actually turning someone down if you're, they're coming to you asking to be their mentee. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's how you start getting up to upper tiers of management too, is that's a great connection and they can refer you. Oftentimes they know, maybe know some things that are going on with a business that you might not. It's a good way to start getting a little better grasp at the overall workings of a company. And also they can typically refer you to other folks within a business as you develop different interests and yep. potential career paths. Yeah, I think it's really great that you've been able to identify uh, you know, different areas of expertise required for different roles and go out and learn those things or go out and network and ask people what their day-to-day -day is like and, and how to do that. So I think that's really important. You might be in school. I was an economics major and I ended up as a product manager. I had to learn a tremendous amount about the role, but it, it's very doable. I also like how you did something that I like to call active listening. And so active listening is making sure you're not thinking about other things, you're not on your phone, you're not distracted while you're in a conversation with someone. And there's a lot of research on this, but active listening, you're actually going to remember more things from the conversation. The person that you're engaging with is going to feel more heard and it, it's going to result in a better interaction. And especially when you talk about meetings and you know active listening in meetings, a lot of people get distracted and don't necessarily take the lead or understand the action items. So I think that that's a way to differentiate yourself. And can you talk about your experience being a mentor and also finding mentees? Yeah, for sure. So mentoring has so much value both directions. So first, I think, you know, it's a great way to connect with leadership. I don't think you're ever going to have someone turn you down if you work up the courage to ask. And it's a great way to gain additional insight at a new layer to a business. It's also a great way to get introduced to other leaders in the business. I've, I've definitely benefited from that. And I've also benefited a lot from being able to mentee other people. And when you start to reach the point in your own career where you can assist someone else, I think it makes you even better and more proficient at your own job. Something. Yeah, there, there definitely is. And so... It's funny that this podcast, I was able to start it because I had a mentee who I had kept in touch with uh, for the past few years. And it was really our story that drove me to want to start this podcast, but she was very willing to help out and jump on. And so I think having a network of both mentors and mentees can really establish you as a leader it can make you feel good because it's always good to help other people. And, and the University of Vermont Alumni Network is really strong, and I see a lot of that. But it also gives you a large group of people, depending on how active you are, that not only respect you but are willing to advocate for you. And say you're looking for a role and they're having success uh, after you open a door for them or they're in a different department, 
you know, they're probably going to be willing to refer you if you spent the time to help them. So I think that it's great that you are spending that time helping to mentor others, especially if you're going to be considered for a management director, vice president level role, because that's a lot of what leaders need to do is to be able to mentor and help grow their employees and help give them confidence. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the biggest things coming out of school, I mean, you're looking at a lot of positions that may be at the manager level, and it can be really difficult to get manager experience. And sometimes it, it almost seems like any, even an entry level manager role, there's a desire to have management experience in an applicant. So at least if you can go and get some of these mentoring opportunities or just different ways to be leaders on a team, it can kind of help bridge that gap for you. Yeah, sure. And I think too, people might be wondering, well, how the heck do I go find mentees? There's a lot of different ways that you can do it. We're both in Burlington, so it's easy for us to go back to the University of Vermont. But if, if you're not here, I think what you're alluding to is you're, you're mentoring people inside of the deal.com building. And it, it could be as simple as something as asking how someone's doing asking how they're liking their role, asking if they have any challenges. It can be as organic as that. And then you just go to lunch with that person or you get a coffee and you just keep in touch and you say, hey, I've been in a similar situation. I'd be willing to mentor you. You know, would you like that? We can meet up once a month just to talk about some things you're going through. That That's really how simple it can be. So just taking the time to do that, I think is really important and, and will help you develop some skills. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it just goes back to curiosity. I think that's the thing that goes the furthest from something I learned at UVM that's just carried on is just to always be curious, always take the time to ask why and to just be genuine. So when you ask someone how their day is, actually delve into it and follow up. It's so easy to just blow someone off when they say good or oh, having a tough day, like take some time to ask the questions on what's really going on. And that's how you get into these conversations that can lead to more opportunity. Yeah. And I think so tying together all of the things that we've talked about, because there's a lot of really great things, but curiosity definitely has, has emerged as a theme of this conversation and active listening really contributes to the ability to mentor and mentee people, which in turn contributes to your ability to uh, move up in a company, to find other opportunities, to really help solidify yourself again as, as a leader, even if you're not quite in that position and, you know, I think that those are all really important things. So the ability to hold a conversation and not be thinking about what you're going to have for lunch and what you're, oh, you left the laundry in the dryer. If you're able to really sit with someone and, and ask them those types of questions, or you're able to sit with your manager and really understand what's going to help make him or her successful, maybe pick up on subtle cues. Because sometimes people will say, oh, well, I tried that. I, I asked them what would make them successful. And maybe you weren't fully listening and you can miss some details. And that's a soft skill that if you're in a position right now, and this applies more to alumni, but students really think about this, where you you think you're asking all of the right questions, but you still feel stuck. Ask yourself if you're practicing active listening and go try it and test it and try to you know have a conversation, write the things down that you remember from it. That's probably going to change the game, and it, it's something that you figured out how to get closer to the success of the company, the success of your manager, but you've also been developing that active listening skill, and you have that genuine curiosity. So when you pair those things together, that's, that is what is going to differentiate yourself. So I'm really glad we were able to sort of tie all of those talking points together. 
into something that's really clear for people to give them that advice. Well, this has been a really great conversation. I appreciate you joining the show again. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Love what you're putting together here and proud to be a part of it in any way I can. So thank you so much for thinking to have me and would absolutely love to be on again sometime. Thank you again, everyone, for listening to this episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast. I've got a number of episodes uh, ready to go, and I'm really excited about it. We have a really diverse group of UVM alumni who have reached out to me, willing to come on the show to talk about their unique experiences that ultimately are going to benefit students, alumni, uh, prospective students, and the like. And please, 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 if you know of any alumni or you are one yourself and you've been listening to this podcast and think that you have a story that you'd really like to share, reach out to me at Tori, T-O-R-R-E-Y dot Jonathan, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N at gmail.com. Have a great day.